0: (laughs) so god has a way of touching hearts no matter where they are and so father we just thank you that right where we are right now that you're already working in our hearts you do jobs that no one else can do the bible says that you're the great physician lord and one of the greatest works that you can do is work on our hearts That you can change our hearts You know, it doesn't matter how we've been raised or what we've experienced. You know how to soften the hardest of hearts and make it open and receptive to you again. And so this morning, we just say, Holy Spirit, as we open your word and as we've already been worshiped, just work on our hearts. Soften them so that we become receptive more and more every day. We want more of you and not less of you, God. I want more of you. Father, I just want more. More than ever before. I know I've not experienced it all and I don't know it all, but I know You do. So I want more of You, Jesus. More of You, Jesus. Oh, we praise You. We praise You. We praise You. Thank You, Father. Hallelujah. Well, are you ready for the Word this morning, everybody? Welcome to all you watching via online this morning. We're so glad that you're joining us wherever you are. We're going to continue on in our series on the Holy Spirit. We're like ten weeks deep, and it now. We've still got so much more to go. But I was just kind of reflecting. You know, when you get this far into a series, it's okay. Like, what have you said? What have you done? And I, the thing that I love is that God—it has provoked me to think back through my experiences with God and remind myself. Oh wait, God talked to me that way, or God did this in my life. And this week, I was thinking about you know the first time that He ever gave a word of knowledge, and I remember 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 it was about eyes that God was wanting someone's eyes and I was like okay God I'm really scared I I feel like I'm about to miss it here but and I stepped in I said God wants to heal someone's eyes and just crickets I was like well great thanks for hanging me out to dry God oh I guess I missed it and I was a little discouraged after it. And I, and I uh, went home and I was like, come on, God. You, you know, I trust, trusted you to step out and nothing. And it was about three days later, someone called me and was like, I'm sorry, that was me. And I was having issues with my eyes and I was too afraid to come up and let you pray for me. And I was like, well, thank God I didn't miss it. But you know, I was thinking about like through all the different things we've talked about with the Holy Spirit so far, I'm sure you have had experiences in your lifetime that it's good to bring yourself into remembrance of what God has done because He hasn't changed, right? He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so even when we look at the book of Acts, which is really, they call it the Acts of the Apostle apostles but it's really the acts of the early church empowered by the Holy Spirit and as he worked with them is the same way he's still working with believers today and so this morning I want to take a look at the work of the Holy Spirit in salvation and I think this will give us a good place to launch off into this next section of the series and I like something that Reinhard Bonnke said he said Christianity is the supernatural operation of the Holy Spirit. The faith once delivered to the saints is a miracle gospel, a miracle salvation with physical evidences. And I think it's very easy for us to forget how much of a miracle salvation actually is. Because it's a spiritual work that's got, got, that happens on the inside of you. And we don't often see it right away, a physical evidence of it. But as we walk it out, we, our minds become renewed and we begin to live different and act different. But there was a miracle that took place at salvation. And it is the greatest miracle that you have ever believed for and ever will believe for. Everything else is so simple. The salvation is a miracle. And when it comes to the Holy Spirit, we have to remember that He is the action man of the Godhead. And we can see that even in the very beginning when God was creating the heavens and the earth. He said in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth and the earth was without form and void and darkness was on the face of the deep and the spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Why was he hovering over the faces of the waters? Because he was waiting for God to say something so that he could carry it out. And so when God said, let there be light, who do you think was involved in making that happen? It was the Holy Spirit. He was just saying, come on God, go ahead and say something. Let me out. I want to move. I want to get some action going on. Man, we, we, need some, we need some Christians in this day, in this season, to have that Holy Spirit attitude in them. Oh God, just speak. Let me, at it. let me go. Tell me where to go. Tell me who to pray for. What do you need me to say? We need that Holy Spirit attitude rising up on the inside of us and so in the beginning the Holy Spirit was just waiting he's like come on let's do this and I think today he's still waiting for the body of Christ to have a bit of a backbone just to say okay God where can you use me what can I do let me step out and so in the order of the Godhead we have God who gives the command we have Jesus who makes it possible and the Holy Spirit who carries it out and you may say well where was Jesus at salvation or at, uh, at, uh, at creation and we see in John chapter 1 it says in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God and he was in the beginning with God and all things were made through him And without him, nothing was made that was made. And so Jesus is the conduit through which the love, the grace, and the forgiveness of God flows. And the Holy Spirit is the one who carries out what is given to him from the Father through Jesus. And so when it comes to salvation, we often talk about God's part and we talk about what Jesus did. You know, we talk about Jesus on the cross. We talk about Jesus dying and taking sin and shame to the grave and killing it, going to hell on your behalf and then being raised from the dead. We talk about their parts of it. God so loved the world that he gave Jesus. But we don't ever talk about what the Holy Spirit does in salvation. And so this morning, I want to take a few minutes to look at that. Oh, I'm so glad you're so excited about that. Come on. Number one, what role does the Holy Spirit play in salvation? He is the instigator. And I love that word instigator because it's a word that I can really relate to as a father of four boys. And when I look at my family and the the different um, characters they have and the attitudes they often display... I can look through my four boys, and one really stands out as the instigator, and it's my quiet one, Pierce. He doesn't say much, especially when other people are around. He'll be hiding behind you. But when no one's looking, you know what he's doing? He's poking. He's poking. He's trying to get a response out of his brothers. We got in the car the other day and it was everybody was quiet. And then a few seconds later, Montgomery's crying and we turn around and here's Pierce has been pinching his side. He was the instigator. He was provoking something to happen. He was provoking a response. And when it comes to the Holy Spirit, he is the instigator at salvation. In John chapter 16, I want to take a look there. And if you have listened to any of the online services, in part number four, we talked about what we're going to be talking about right now in this section, but we didn't talk about it in our live service because God had other things going on in those services, but in verse seven of chapter 16, he says, nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away, for if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you, but if I depart, I will send him to you. And so it's great. He's he's our advantage. Jesus was going to send him. But it's what is said next that actually causes a bit of contention in the body of Christ. And that is in verse 8. It says, and when he has come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment and growing up as a a lifelong christian whenever i've heard this preached about he will convict us of sin it's often portrayed as he's going to make me feel bad about what i've done so that i will turn to god for forgiveness and that i won't do it anymore that he's causing me to remember it so that he will provoke me to repent but my question is is that really what the holy spirit does and my other second question that is more important is he said he'll convict the world of sin. Are you the world he's speaking of? And when we address what Jesus is speaking about here in John 16, we have to understand this is a long conversation he's having with his disciples. It Starts in chapter 14, and it runs all the way through chapter 17. And so 16, he's already been saying things to them at this point, and he's going to say some more things. And if we read the whole conversation, it'll put this question in context. Are you the world he's speaking of? In John chapter 17, so just a few verses after saying this, he said, God, he's praying for them now, he says, I've given them your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. And he says, I don't pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. And so if he's going to convict the world of sin, he's already established that you are not the world he's talking about. And well, maybe maybe he changed how he was using this. Okay, well, let's go before 16 then. In John chapter 15, verse 18, it says, If the world hates you, know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love its own. Yet because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world. Therefore, the world hates you. And so the chapter before and the chapter after, he establishes that you are not of the world. So when he says he will convict the world of sin, the Holy Spirit's job in you is not to make you feel bad about what you've done so that you'll turn to Jesus. Jesus. He's not even talking about you in that context. But it's more important to understand that he says when he has come, he will convict the world of sin, not sins. He's not talking plural. He's talking singular. There's only one sin in which he is convicting people of. And he goes on to even tell us which one it is. Of sin because they do not believe in me. The, and we, the, we have the wrong picture of what he says here when he says he will convict. It doesn't mean to make them feel bad. It means to poke and prod on. And so the job of the Holy Spirit is to poke on hearts for them to begin to open, to be open for the gift of salvation because they do not believe. And so here's, this is why we need to establish this. Do you know what happens when you're sharing Jesus with others? Even if it seems like to you that the door is completely closed, the Holy Spirit's poking on their heart. And they may be saying no, but inside there's a turmoil going on saying, yeah, I, I really there's something drawing me to this, but the hardness of our heart will often keep us from the things of God, and the hardness of other people's hearts, the unbelievers' hearts, will often keep them from God, but it won't stop the Holy Spirit from saying, yeah, come on, believe. God is good. He does love you. He does want to accept you. And so we have to understand that when he's convicting the world of sin, he's provoking them to believe, not making them feel bad about what you've done. You know, I find, with, even with my own kids, it's so much better to redirect them in where I want them to go than where focusing on what they've done that I didn't like. Redirection works so much better. And I love what Mark Hankins said. He said, if unbelief is curable, everything is curable. And the reality is unbelief is curable. When you, you let the Holy Spirit do his work in a heart, it inspires faith in them. It begins to, to prod them on to accepting Jesus. And so when you're sharing your faith, which is something that we should be doing, Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature and so we we've, we've been called to share our faith, know that there's things going beyond behind the scenes that you don't see with your natural eye. The Holy Spirit is at work instigating. Yes. But he says if unbelief is curable, everything is curable. Think about that. If you once did not believe in God and now you do, that was a miracle. And it's the same way with every other miracle that you may need in your life. Change the unbelief and it becomes a miracle. Because unbelief is the thing that is keeping them from a miracle. Unbelief is what's keeping you from a miracle. And the solution to unbelief is belief. It's faith. It's let the Holy Spirit inspire faith in you. In John chapter 6, verse 44, it says, No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. And how does the Father draw him? By the work and the prodding of the Holy Spirit. And so back to John chapter 16 verse 8. It says and when he has come he will convict the world of sin. And convict can't mean how religion uses it because of what comes next. Because then he also has to convict the world of righteousness. How do you make someone feel bad about righteousness? Righteousness is a good thing. Sin is a bad thing. Righteousness is a good thing. And so he can't convict us and make us feel bad about how righteous Jesus has made us. He doesn't make you feel bad about the work that Jesus has done by changing your identity. And then of judgment. He'll also have to convict you of judgment. But again, just like with sin, he tells us what what the Holy Spirit is doing. In verse 10, he says, you will convict them of righteousness because I go to my Father and you see me no more the thing that the Holy Spirit will poke and prod in a heart is that because of what Jesus has done, you can now be a new creation in Christ Jesus. Because of what Jesus has done, you can have your identity changed. You don't need to be of the world. You can be translated out of it into the kingdom of His Son, which is what Paul prayed in Colossians. He said that because of redemption and the forgiveness of sins, we have been translated out of the kingdom of darkness into the Son of His his Son, the son of his love. And so the Holy Spirit will poke and prod them onto receiving the love and the righteousness of God. Well, what about judgment? Judgment can be pretty bad. Well, it depends on what's being judged. If you're innocent, judgment is a good thing, right? If you go to court and you've been accused of something and the judge rules in your favor, that judgment is a good judgment. So what is the judgment that he's speaking of here? It says of judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. The judgment here that he's talking about, it isn't even your judgment. It's how God has passed judgment on the enemy. He's already said, what you did was illegal. Jesus came and paid the price. My kids are free. Let them go. So the Holy Spirit is poking and prodding hearts to remembrance of these things. So number one, he is the instigator. Well, what, is, what else does he do in salvation? Let's look at John chapter 3. In John chapter 3, we have the story of Nicodemus coming before Jesus, and he's a Pharisee. And uh, he comes at night because he doesn't want anybody else to see him. That means he, he's, he doesn't want to be seen. He's, you know, whatever you have to do in the dark to not be seen, you already know is not right. And in verse 1, it says, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a Pharisee, a ruler of the Jews. And this man came to Jesus by night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God. For no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. And so he says, we know you're from God. This means that the Pharisees have talked about it. They said, we He's a Pharisee, a ruler of the Jews. So the ones who were coming against Jesus knew he was from God, but couldn't accept him being in that position because it meant all the things that they would have to give up. And so he says, we know you come from God and that you can't do these signs unless God is with you. And Jesus just completely ignores everything he says and says this, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And Nicodemus said to him, "'How can a man be born when he is old? "'Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born?' And Jesus answered, "'Most assuredly, I say, unless one is born of water,' which is referring to the natural birth, "'and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. "'That which is born of flesh is flesh, "'and that which is born of spirit is spirit.'" And he says, don't marvel that I said you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes and you hear the sound of it, but you cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. And so Jesus, when referring to what was needing to happen, that the salvation that was coming to the world and that everyone who wants to come to the Father has to go through it, he says it's a birth of the Spirit. And so number two is that He does the work of the recreation. Jesus made it possible the Holy Spirit carries it out. In 2 Corinthians five seventeen, it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. So there's a change in your nature. There is a change in what you were. Everything else got wiped away and you're now new. And the Holy Spirit was the one who walked it out for you. I love what Titus says. And you know, we we often don't look at the book of Titus because it's just a little book and it gets overshadowed by other things that Paul wrote. But in Titus 3:5, it said, He saved us not because of the righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. He washed away our sins, giving us a new birth and a new life through. The Holy Spirit says he generously poured out the Spirit upon us through Jesus Christ, our Savior. And so it was through the work of the Holy Spirit that you have new life and a new renewal on the inside of you. And Paul said in Ephesians 2 that you are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God has prepared beforehand that we should walk in. So what happens? We can use this to represent our old vessel. I chose a dark color, so it just shows you, this is not, the dark color's not like that because of your sin. Because as Titus said, it's not because of the righteous things we had done that we were saved and it's not because the bad things that you did that you were like this. It all has to do with Adam and the sin nature that Adam passed on to everyone. And what happens with the Holy Spirit is he takes this old vessel and he gets rid of it. He doesn't use parts of it. He re- recreates it new. He makes it spotless. He makes it available that God can take Himself now and pour Himself into it. It was through the work of the Holy Spirit, that is the work of the, the miracle of salvation, that on the inside, you weren't just kind of made better, you were made new. Say that again. You weren't just made better, you were made new. By the work of the Holy Spirit, He generously poured out His Spirit upon us through Jesus Christ our Lord. Yeah. Hallelujah. And so he takes the old vessel and he makes it brand new and perfect. So he's the instigator. He's the one that works the, re-create, new, the new creation. And number three, he takes you and he places you into the body of Christ. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, it says, For as the body is one... And has many members. But all of the members of that one body being many are one body. So also is Christ. For by one spirit. Everyone say spirit. We were all baptized into one body. Whether we're Jews or Greeks. Whether we're slaves or free. We have been all made to drink into one spirit. And so what happened is he took you. And he placed you into the body of Jesus. And just like how you look at your own body, you've got different organs. You've got the heart. You've got the lungs. You've got the skin. You've got the blood. You've got the blood vessels. You've got got the veins. There's many parts in the body of Christ. And when you get saved, he takes you and he places you into the body. And the thing is, every part of your body is necessary. You need each one. If you woke up tomorrow without your skin, it'd be a pretty horrific sight. If you lost your lungs right now, it would really suck. And just like you need all the parts of your body, you are necessary in the body of Christ. You are valuable to Jesus. You are part of His body. In Romans 8, 16, it says the Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. Now think about that. Why are we joint heirs with Him? Because you've been placed into the body. What He receives, you receive. What he was given as his reward, you partake of because you've been made one with him. And Jesus told us that what is, what, that's what he was going to do before he even did it. In John 17, he said, Father, make them one with us just like I'm one with you. And it happened through the work of the Holy Spirit. And that's why we can have verses like 2 Peter chapter 1 and 2. It says, Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, as his divine power has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us into virtue. Why can you have all things that pertain to life and godliness? Because is Jesus missing them? Let me ask this question. Is Jesus sick in heaven? No. Well, John said that as he is, so are we. Is Jesus in lack right now? No. And you've been made one with him by the work of the Holy Spirit. That's why the next verse says, by which we have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises that through these we may be partakers of the divine nature. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Because as he is, so are we in this world. So what's Holy Spirit's work in salvation? He is the instigator. He carries out the recreation. (laughs) He places you into the body of Jesus. And number four, he pours the love of God into our hearts. Romans 5.5 says that now hope does not disappoint Because the love of God has, what is has? Past tense. Been poured into our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. You know, we don't often question that God is a God of love. But we often question our ability to love. And you shouldn't question that. Because the same love in which he loved, who we would call unlovable, He loved you, and then he poured into your heart and gave you the ability to love in the same way. The Holy Spirit has been very involved in your life leading up to salvation. And the reason why we need to talk about that is because he wants to continue being involved if you will let him. He's been involved and wants to continue being involved. It doesn't end at salvation. There's a daily walk that Holy Spirit, we're just so glad that you're with us right now. And just as much as you were raring to go on the very first day of creation, we know that you're raring to go and you want to walk out the things that God has spoken over us the promises that he's given to us, the visions and the dreams that you've dropped into our hearts, God, Holy Spirit, we know that you want to grab hold with us and walk those out. You are the man of action and you haven't stopped being that today. And so we thank you, Father, for it. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Guys, the Holy Spirit can do work that no one else can do. He can work on our hearts in ways like no one else. Now maybe right now you're watching us on the internet and you haven't made Jesus the Lord of your life. Now is the day to do it. Today is the day of salvation for you. We would love to pray with you and walk with you into the kingdom. Why don't we go and say, Father, Father I, ask I ask for Jesus. I receive him into my life right now. I turn from all else. I thank you that today I am a new creation. And I thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer with us today, we would love for you to get in contact with us. We would love to get you hooked up with a good church in your area and get some resources into your hands. If you're in the Smith Falls area, what do we say, guys? Welcome home. Come on out. We'd love to walk this journey together with you. Well, guys, I just think that the same way the Holy Spirit's been bringing things to my remembrance, let him bring things up and remind you of how good he's been in your past. Because as good he was then is as good he wants to continue being in your future. Well, it is offering time. If you would like to give and be a partner together with us today, you can go so do so at wordchurch.ca forward slash give or the baskets at the back, whatever you like. But whatever you choose to do, we just say, thank you. Thank you for being here. Thank you for being a partner with us and have an awesome week. God bless y'all.